Chapter 27 Gregory's Princess You know, hurt is a funny thing. The same thing that makes one person angry can make another person grieve. Not so many years ago, a man held his own bundle wrapped in a towel. But the towel wasn't wrapped around a butcher knife. It swaddled a baby. Take care of my little princess, the man said faintly. I can't no more. Sobbing, the man handed over the baby to a rough-looking pig farmer named Ned. Oh, I will. Don't worry, Ned promised, as the man reached down to kiss and stroke the head of his little girl for the last time. The man took the baby in his arms again and gave her one more tremendous hug. I'm sorry. So, so sorry, he said, weeping. To be truthful, the baby was not a sweet-looking baby, nor darling or dear or any of those other adjectives people use when cooing in unnaturally high-pitched voices. No, this baby was, to put it mildly, homely. It had a puffy round face and a nose that could more accurately be called a snout. The man clutched his baby tightly, not wanting to let her go. And when he finally handed her back to Ned, the towel fell away to reveal a heart-shaped birthmark on the baby's shoulder. Gregory always said that she had too much heart and that's why they had to put some of it on the outside. But let's face it, it's hard to see something on your back. In fact, you can have a good heart and not even know it. Years passed and the baby grew up. In a darkened hallway of the castle, the girl pulled up her shawl and covered her heart-shaped birthmark. Sitting atop the same shoulder, a rat whispered into the girl's ear. You can do this. You know you can, said Roscuro. I know I can, she said. She belongs in the dungeon, and you belong in the palace like a princess, he reminded her. Like a princess, Miggery Sow repeated. P was sitting at her window, wishing for rain to pour down from the dark, dismal sky, when from somewhere behind her came a soft rustling. P hardly cared who it was or what they wanted, but she turned anyway. The princess wasn't expecting the servant girl, and she certainly wasn't expecting Mig to be carrying a bundle of rope and so many odd-looking tools. What are you doing? P asked. Meg hesitated. Cleaning, ma'am. Roscuro rolled his eyes. With a rope? P asked. Helps, ma'am. Well, stop it, P said. You look ridiculous. Sorry, ma'am, said Meg, unable to hear P's soft voice. I said, P said louder, you look ridiculous. Meg's ruddy cheeks whitened. P's words had reached Meg's damaged ears loud and clear. In fact, they seemed to arrive in slow motion, each syllable perfectly enunciated. Three stabs to Miggery Sow's heart. You look ridiculous. Mig dropped the tools. She stared at the princess. Her face began to change colours, first pink, then grapefruit, and finally a deep crimson. Mig began to shake. Squeezing the rope tight in her hand, Mig closed in on the princess. She used every inch of rope. She wrapped and wrapped and wrapped until Princess P was one large coil, and while the rest of the castle slept, the servant girl pressed a butcher knife to the princess's back and forced her down the stairs into the foul black dungeon. You can't do this, Mig, said P, trembling. Girl, said Mig. Seems I can, ma'am. You'll get in terrible trouble. Don't listen, Roscuro whispered from inside Mig's collar. You're the princess now. I'm the princess now. Mig repeated. And you belong in the palace, Roscuro said. And I belong in the palace, Mig said. And she belongs in, Roscuro said, looking around in the darkness. Yes, she belongs right here, he thought. 
Mig dragged P to a cell deep within the dungeon. Behind the cell's bolted door, a lamp shone on the two figures, the golden-haired P wrapped from head to toe in rope, and the dull servant girl holding a butcher knife. One was a princess, and one was not. P looked around at her new home. No, she screamed. You can't do this. Help! Someone help! Help! Tell her it's no use, Roscuro said to Mig. No one can hear her. Help! Help! cried P. It's no use, ma'am, replied Mig. No one can hear you. Ah, but someone could. Chapter 28. The Mouse's Quest. From a nook in the dungeon wall, two extraordinary large ears turned, first right and then left, toward a distant sound. Despero wrapped himself in a cloak and fled from his hiding place toward the cry for help. Hidden under his hood, he blended into the hood, one mouse in a sea of rats. Only his ears threatened to give him away. They bulged under his hood, but Despero quickly pulled them down. Somehow, above the din of rats shouting and paws squelching on the slimy dungeon stone, Despero heard the cry again. Help! Help! Then he heard a second voice. Help! I'm in here! The mouse looked up. The cries were coming from the prison cells. Despero ran closer, passing one cell door after another. He turned a corner and saw even more doors, but which one? Help! Someone cried from down the dark corridor. Miggery Sow's face was pressed against a barred window. You filthy stinking rat, you tricked me! A large cluster of rats gathered in front of the cell next to Miggs, but they weren't paying the slightest attention to her. They were laughing at the sound of another prisoner weeping. To a rat, there's nothing more amusing than the suffering of others. It's a human, it's a human, said one rubbing his paws together. Not yet, lads, ordered the largest amongst them. Now then, now then, you've got to wait, you've got to wait. It's nowhere near dinner time. Oh, come on, a rat replied. I'm starving. Another whimper came from the cell next to Miggs, and Despero recognised it at once, and his tiny heart skipped a beat. P. The mouse studied the princess's locked door. It had a tiny slit of a window high above his head, far too high to reach. Despero scanned the corridor. Behind the rats, a broomstick was propped against a wall. Perhaps Despero had learned a thing or two in school about being a mouse because where a human would see a tool used for sweeping floors, the mouse saw a completely different use. He saw transportation. He raced to the top of the broom handle and pushed himself away from the wall, propelling it to the other side. The broomstick swung high over the heads of the oblivious rats. Something special for dinner tonight, said a rat from down below. It's a princess, said another, pushing forward. Oi, oi, said Smudge. You'll wait for dinner like everyone else. Despero landed silently on the ledge next to P's door and leapt to her window. Milady, Despero whispered. P cried softly. Psst, Milady. Startled, the princess turned and looked out the window. Her eyes darted toward Despero. Oh, my little mouse, it's you. I'll deliver you from this evil ma'am, Despero whispered. He was inches away from her. Oh no, P whispered back. She tried to move, but she could not. She was still one big coil of rope. So instead the mouse pressed closer to her. He took in the sweet scent of her hair, her breath. He would do anything for her. Just go and find my father, P said. Take this chain from around my neck to show him you're honest and truthful. Oh, I am, said Despero. Honest and truthful and loyal. I know, P said. But hurry, here, take it. There isn't much time. Despero unhooked the chain, adorned with a heart-shaped gold locket, and took it from around her neck. The necklace was delicate on P, but it weighed heavily on the mouse. He held the heart in front of his own and draped the chain around him like armour. 
It will be my quest, he said. Thank you, my good gentleman, said P. It was all Despero needed, because a mouse, need, a mouse needs something to push him through a mob of rats, through a dark and stinky dungeon, and toward inevitable doom. He was a noble knight off to save his princess, and time was running out. Chapter 29. Heart. Despero hurried back to his nook and pulled back the brick. He ran through a chink in the wall and into the shaft of light, but in the mouse's haste he fell, poof, flat on his nose into a pile of soot, and when he got to his feet again, he was covered from head to tail in white dust. The dust-covered mouse didn't notice his ghostly appearance. Instead, he focused on the pallid trace of light, the only link with the world above. He knew what he had to do. Follow the light up and out of the chimney shaft, no matter how far. And looking skyward, he knew that the climb would be nearly impossible. Despero began to scale the bricks. Up, up, up he climbed toward the light, not stopping for a moment. But the shaft's bricks angled back over him, and after a while he couldn't go any farther. He was close to the top, but there was nothing more to grab onto. Despero stopped on a small ledge and looked down at the princess's locket in his paws. He didn't know how to go on. He knew only that he must go on. And then the mouse had an idea. He took the princess's chain from around his waist and swung it like a grappling hook. He flung it as high as he could until the heart caught on a crack in the mortar. Despero yanked hard and the heart caught fast. The mouse grabbed the chain, took a deep breath and leapt off the ledge. He swung into the air, dangling in the darkness and slowly he began to pull his little body skyward, paw over paw, inch by inch, he fought his way to the light. Despero clutched the shaft's top brick with his little paw, and with a great effort, he pulled himself out and into a crawl space. And when the mouse stood and wrapped the chain around his waist again, he realised that he had accomplished something unbelievable. He'd escaped from the dungeon. But as soon as Despero raised his head, he saw that a more perilous challenge still lay ahead of him. Now really, did you expect things to be so easy? The mouse stood on the edge of the, gra- of the gaping hole he'd just crawled out of. The only way to make it over the shaft was to cross a long, narrow plank that stretched over it like a bridge, and every inch of this bridge was covered in mouse traps. Despero swallowed hard. The traps went on as far as he could see. So many of them. A jumble of springs and bars waiting to break his little neck, and falling off the bridge would be just as fatal. Despero placed a paw on the gold heart around his waist and closed his eyes. Then he opened them again. He'd come this far. He backed up a couple of steps, and with a burst, he ran forward. Yes, the little mouse ran. He hurtled himself at the traps, setting them off one after another. Snap! 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 Despero twisted, turned, and somersaulted, tripping one trap with an ear, triggering another with his tail. He used every bit of skill and experience to dance through the line of traps. All at once, there was a flurry of flying springs and more snapping metal. Bits of cheese flew into the air and dropped down into the shaft below. Snap! 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 The last trap just missed the mouse's tail and Despero's stomach dropped as the bar closed upon the necklace instead. With a final snap, the trap flew into the air, taking the necklace with it. Despero lunged for the golden heart, but it slid through his fingers. He watched as P's heart disappeared into the blackness. In the mouse's absence, every seat of the Colosseum had been filled. A few plump-bellied rats lounged in the royal box. It was a luxurious setting. An enormous magnifying glass rose decoratively from the boxer's roof, and inside, servants fanned Botticelli and his guests with feathers and offered platters of food. Roscuro reclined among them like a king. "'Here you are, sir. Fresh worms,' said a servant, holding out a bowl to Roscuro. 
Oh, um, uh, Roscoe said, lost in his own thoughts. Thank you. He tried to enjoy the worm, but his heart wasn't in it. He was listening to the cheers below. Well done, Roscuro, said Botticelli. You hear that? That's all because of you. Come, my friend, look at your handiwork. Roscuro looked out at the spectacle. Hundreds of tiny orange lights glowed in the stands and torchlight washed over the Colosseum floor. The audience looked with anticipation at an arched doorway where on either side a line of rats drummed a slow, steady beat. Parm. Do you remember this sound? If you do, then you already know that what what follows can't be good. And it wasn't. What emerged from the doorway was a shocking sight. A team of rats rolled out a large figure tied to a board with with an intricate lattice of rope. It was a human, and her entrance made the Colosseum explode in applause. The rats cheered as Princess P was pulled to the centre of the Colosseum floor. Chapter 30. Not Dead. The king sat in his chambers playing the sad and beautiful song for his dead queen. At the same time, high on a ledge above the king's shoulder, a mouse tried desperately to get his attention. King! King! Sire! Despero cried, waving his arms. Your daughter's in danger, your highness. Please, sir! The king didn't hear a word. Oh, come on! Despero said with a groan. He grabbed his ears and jumped off the ledge and into the air, spreading his ears wide to slow his descent. The mouse glided down towards the king and circled him like a buzzing bee. Hey, sire, your highness, hello, Mr. King! Despero yelled as he flew past the king's nose. Oi, hello, whoa! He circled around again and landed on the king's shoe, and still the king took no notice. Despero screamed as loud as he could from the foot of the king's chair. He jumped up and down. He tugged on the king's robes, all to no avail. Down here, Despero shouted. Down here, listen, your daughter's in danger. She's locked in the dungeon. You're the only one who can help. She sent me to get you. Sir, please, sir. But the king just continued strumming his guitar. Sire, your highness, look down here. What the mouse could not see was that the king had begun to cry. A tear rolled to the edge of his cheek and fell to the ground. When you're a mouse, a human tear can be pretty big. Imagine, if you will, a bathtub filled with water. And now imagine that tub being emptied from the top of a very tall building and onto your feet. Well, that's what the king's tear was like to Despero. Oh, said the mouse. He leapt out of the way when the tear landed next to him with a walloping splat. And and the thing about tears is, one is usually followed by another. In the mouse world, an older mouse who knew a lot about tears walked through the centre of town. His shoulders slumped and his head hung down. He looked a hundred years old, although he was much younger. He was Lester Tilling. The only thing that ages a mouse more than time is grief. Looking more weary than ever, Lester unlocked his front door. He shuffled inside listlessly and looked up. He froze. His mouth dropped open. Uh, uh, Lester quivered. Dad, Dad, said Despero. Listen, you've got to help me. Despero stood in front of his father. Lester trembled. You're you're dead. You couldn't blame the mouse for thinking so. Still covered in white dust, Despero looked like a spirit risen from the depths of the dungeon. No, I'm not, said Despero. I'm not dead. Now listen, the princess is in danger. She's locked in the dungeon. Lester let out long, choking sobs. Oh my golly, you're dead. Then Lester Tilling keeled over and fainted. Dad, said Despero, shaking his father. Dad, I'm not dead. Wake up, please. Despero ran out the front door to help to find help, just as Furlow came sauntering up the walk. Ah! screamed Furlow. Furlow, listen, you've got to help me. 
You're, you're, d- 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 no, I'm not dead, Despero said. Listen, the princess is in danger. She's locked in the dungeon. Thurlow raised his paw into the air. Oh my gosh, you're dead. He turned and scurried in the other direction. No, Despero yelled, watching his brother disappear. Wasn't there anyone who could help him? On the other side of the street, three young mice who he used to play with walked by. Guys, listen, Despero said soothingly. Okay, look, now, I'm not dead, the mice gasped. The princess is in danger, and she's down in the dungeon. But the mice were already backing away. They turned and fled. Despero chased after them. You've got to help me. But they were gone. The street was deserted. In fact, as Despero looked around, he noticed the entire town square was empty. In all of the mouse world, there was not a mouse to be seen. Somebody! Despero shouted. Shouted. Looking about him in panic, he spotted his last chance to find help. In a flash, Despero ran inside and up the stairs. At the top landing, the bell's long cord hung in the centre. Despero jumped and grabbed for it. His weight pulled the rope down and he dropped into a hole and straight to the base of the tower. Clang! Whoa, Despero said. The tips of his toes barely touched the ground before the rope sprung him back into the air again. He hung on tight as he shot to the tower's top floor. His head just missed the giant bell. Clang! The bell echoed in his ears at a deafening pitch. Despero sank to the ground once more and bounced back to the ceiling. Clang! The bell resounded throughout the empty streets, but not one mouse answered its call. Instead, they peeked out of their hiding spots to watch. The small window at the top of the bell tower where Despero Tilling popped up again and again and again.